This is the Alternative Investing Advantage podcast from Advanta IRA, where we show you how to explore investments beyond Wall Street and open your eyes to new options for your portfolio. It's time to take control and give yourself the freedom to choose where you invest your money. Welcome to another edition of the Alternative Investing Advantage podcast. Today, we are very pleased to welcome on Melissa Leone with Two Cent Consulting. And we're going to be disc- diving into a really, uh, I really truly believe, an underutilized topic, which is uh, female empowerment within <coughs> within finance, understanding you know, how to be more forward thinking uh, from the female perspective in understanding finance, knowing what questions to ask, uh, just having a better kind of well-rounded you know, again, fundamental understanding of maybe if you are someone that wants to understand more of it or take more control in your life of that section of your life, uh, finance from any, you know, from any perspective can be daunting. Uh, But again, very underutilized, uh, or I should say underappreciated segment, you know, half of the people are female um, in the country. And, you know, giving that, you know, power back to people, I feel is really important. We just did a webinar uh, with two of my colleagues that did uh, all about women in finance and, you know, investing in alternatives. And, uh, you know, I'll say with my decade plus in finance, I would say easily, and I'm probably being conservative on this, 75% of the people I speak to are either men or, you know, a bad term, but, you know, head of the household that's making the financial decisions for, you know, the group as a whole, wife included. Uh, And again, it's just, uh, you know, we're here to kind of maybe shed some light, maybe get that number back down to closer to 50-50 or wherever it may go. So, Melissa, thank you very much for being on with us today. I am, you know, very happy to have someone on that has good experience in helping women to do this. So give us a little bit of background on yourself, how you came to be, where you're at, and then we'll jump right into it. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here. So, Melissa Leone, I am 20. 20- five-ish plus years in the finance and finance and accounting industry. Um, if I take it way back, my very first job in life was as a bank teller at 16 years old. I spent seven years at, at, at in the retail bank space, so a couple different jobs in the branch. Um, and that's really where I got my foundation. I had no idea that that's where my life was going to take me. I studied hotel restaurant management in my undergraduate um, degree, and I thought I wanted to own a bar. Uh, turns out I liked to be in bars. I didn't actually want to own one. Like those are very different things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and so while I was working, after I graduated, I was working at a hotel in the food and beverage department and I hated it. It was not a good fit for me. It just, I don't know, the whole thing just didn't work. But the accountant came to me and said, the controller at the hotel said, you want to try accounting? And I must've looked at him like he had three heads. I said, no, I'm not interested in being in accounting. And he said, well, why don't you come try it for two weeks? And if you don't like it, then we'll move you to the front desk. Um, and within the first day, I'm not kidding, like the first couple hours, I fell in love with it. Um, and I spent my entire career in hotel accounting. After I left that company, I went to go work for Four Seasons Hotels. I spent 17 years there climbing the ladder. Um, I eventually managed the global finance and accounting outsource for 10 years. So I spent a lot of time in corporate America, in finance, uh, learning accounting, kind of learning debits and credits along the way. Um, Through that, I ended up becoming a mother. So I have three small children. They're 8, 10, and 12 now. But it wasn't really until my early to mid-30s that I started to recognize that I didn't understand anything about personal finance. I mean, I'd been a cost controller at that point for 10 years and didn't really know where to go. So I started digging pretty deep into that space. I ended up writing a book. Um, 
called Efficiency Bitch, How Ambitious Women Can Have It All Without Doing It All. And in that book, I use the B word as an acronym for bank, inbox, time, connection, and harmony. So bank being the leading chapter there, it's really the one that makes most women cringe. Most women feel uncomfortable in that space for a number of reasons. Um, and I've spent the last three and a half years building Two Sense Consulting, S-E-N-S-E, -S -E, so like making sense. Um, and we help small businesses with bookkeeping, fractional CFO, predominantly, not all women. I, I would say I have about 50-50 space, but most of uh, the time women come to me like, I need someone to teach me this. And so we, we fill that gap for that, for that group. Fantastic. So let's kind of, again, you know, going through that acronym of, you know, starting with a B in banking. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, you know, walking into a bank, I, I feel can, you know, especially if you're someone that's not doing it, I would kind of equate it, um, you know, to someone walking into a gym for the first time. It can be pretty mm -hmm. daunting, you know, if you have that, you know, something that you've never done, it, you know, health is big, you know, health is wealth, I guess, you know, it's like, you know, kind of equating those two of, you know, saying, hey, like, if it's something I'm very uncomfortable, you know, unfamiliar with, it can be daunting, it's such a big part of your life, if you have no money, your life starts to, you know, it won't solve all of your problems, but it can certainly help to alleviate some of them. So mm -hmm. what would you say from the female perspective and speaking to this audience, how to kind of overcome that first hurdle of saying, okay, like, let's get the basics down, you know, like, let's understand, you know, like how to, you know, again, understand, you know, or I should say, what do you feel are the big points to understand? Because that might perspective is probably a little bit different from mine, um, you know, coming from the heavy investment side of things. I'm like, you know, checking accounts, one thing, but I'm getting into, you know, private placements, real estate, all this other kind of nuanced things. Um, but you got to start with the basics. So where would yeah. you kind of start with that to build that to build that pyramid? I think it's important to understand why women traditionally are uncomfortable in this space. Um, generationally speaking, our mothers were not given any of this information. Um, occasionally, I'll find a woman who's like, oh, my grandmother's husband, my grandfather died, and my grandmother had to learn it, but had to learn it as the key component there. By and large, our grandmothers didn't know anything about money. Um, and so our mothers may have known some, but I'm 42 and I'm really starting to learn that most of the women my age have very little education from their mothers. And that's okay, but that's why women don't typically have that background. And so when you extrapolate that, a lot of the education, a lot of the tools, a lot of the books are kind of written in bro language. It, it really is a lot of times designed to teach and educate men. And many times men and women learn differently and we understand things from our reality a little different. So um, that space has been really important for me to understand why was I 30 something and a cost controller and still didn't understand my personal finance. And then I had to kind of make peace with that. Um, and then I had to figure it out and, and I will use a car analogy throughout this conversation. So, um, when you're learning to drive a car and you're 15 years old or you're 16 years old and you're in it for the first time and you're behind the wheel and you're like, Oh my gosh, what am I doing? And you hit the gas and the car flies forward and then you hit the brakes and the car like jerks, you know, to a stop and you're, you're super awkward and you can't remember your turn signals and you don't know what's happening. You turn on your windshield wipers by accident. That's how it feels a lot of time when you're starting to try anything new. Um, yep. So I say that because as you go down this road, it will eventually become autopilot. You will eventually be able to drive from point A to point B with all kinds of chaos going on in your car and your kids screaming and, you know, being on the phone and please don't text and drive. But, you know, all the distractions that happen, we're all still um, 
we're on autopilot a bit from driving a car. So it's really important to understand that that's the starting point is feeling and recognizing that you don't know and then feeling a little uncomfortable going to get the support. Yeah. And one thing I would add to that, I am um, and a little bit of research I did prior to this, because again, I don't know a whole lot about, again, I'm, I'm a man, I don't understand the female perspective and, you know, but trying to get some, uh, you know, educate myself on this. Um, you know, I, I was aware of it, but looking up the exact dates, um, you know, from the perspective of people now understanding it, you know, talking about generationally, you know, my parents, my mother was born in 1953. Yeah, 1953. And when she graduated college, she still couldn't have her own bank account or credit card. That's it was right. the Equitable Credit Act of 1974 that allowed women to be able to even have it, their own credit card, their own you know, checking account. Yep. So understanding that, you know, this isn't something like, you know, thinking back to women's suffrage in the, you know, 20s and 30s. This is your mother. This is, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm 34 now, you know, kids graduating high school have you know, parents that were born that are potentially my age, um, you know, it's, that's a very recent history, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's the, you know, middle of the Vietnam war when this stuff became available to women in the first place. So, you know, your mother, your grandmother, that's the reason that they may not have had is because it legally wasn't even available to them. So right. understanding the history aspect of it, I think is, is very important. Um, and again, I just want to put that out there to people because, uh, you know, it's important to understand, you know, again, some of the basis of where this comes from, at least from my perspective of, you know, why that might be. Mm -hmm. So, you know, anything else that uh, you want to kind of, uh, you know, go into regarding to the banking, maybe some like tips for people understanding like, um, you know, how to cross that first threshold. Um, anything else before we kind of move on? Yeah, I'd say just as we kind of get buckled up, right, and you're going to go on that road, uh, that car analogy, you need to understand that there's going to be multiple angles of money that you have to learn along the way. Don't assume that you need to learn everything that's complicated about investments and tax strategy all at the same time. What you just want to do is figure out how to get slow stroll around your neighborhood in that new car. So you're going to need to know how your rear view mirror works. You're going to need to know how your side mirrors work. You're going to look right in front of you to make sure there's no one directly in front of your car. And then you're going to maybe look 50 yards down the road. So take a very slow approach as you're pulling this car out of the driveway and you start on that momentum because eventually you'll be able to get on the freeway and have those fast conversations. Absolutely. So I'm assuming you kind of break that again, you kind of broke that up into some good analogies, you know, one backing out of the driveway two, getting out of the neighborhood three, getting onto the highway. So what are some kind of the things that you would, you know, bucket into each one of those categories for people? Yeah, my first recommendation is always to understand what happened beh behind you. So if you're pulling out of the driveway, you have to look what's behind you because you're backing out. So we're going to use that to start. Um, I always recommend people take an estimate. So without looking at the real bank account, write down on a piece of paper or Excel's my best friend, just depends on your comfort level, write down what you think you spend every single month. And it can be the big stuff, rent, mortgage, car payments, insurance, food, it can be the little stuff. Um, and, and just write it all down so that you can eventually match your perception with your reality. Because the next thing I'll tell you is to go download your bank statements and your credit card statements from the last two months and compare to see how far off you are in actual versus perception. There's almost always a variance, just like in the calories we eat. Most people underestimate the calories they eat. Most people underestimate the money that they spend. And that's always step one as you're backing out of the driveway. 
Yeah, and I would say even for, you know, no matter what side, if you're coming from the male or female perspective, that's great advice because, you know, doctors are their, their own worst patients, teachers, you know, if you can't do teach, um, you know, I am terrible at doing that myself. Granted, I'm probably better than most at kind of doing that in my head and being accurate. But even so, like, you know, I'll download my credit card statements and take a look at them like once a quarter. And I'm like, whoa, maybe it's a little off there. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, that's great advice, I think, for really anyone, but especially if you're just starting out or trying to get control of your finances. I wholeheartedly agree with that of, you know, that perspective of saying, hey, here's what I think. And then, you know, that whole trust but verify. Here's what I think. Okay, here's what it actually is. And maybe it's you're underestimating. Say, oh, I have more money than I thought. Probably more often than not, you're you're underestimating. It's like eh, maybe I spent you know a little bit too much uh, you know here or there. Um, you know, I went to Target the other day and was going to pick up one thing, and I walked out with a copy of uh, Purple Rain on vinyl, mm-hmm. uh, Shark Steam Mop, and uh, an onion. So yeah, yeah it's Target's it's... really good at that, aren't they? There's a book <laughs> called The Power of Habit, and they talk about Target specifically and how brilliant they are at their product placement. It's really good. <laughs> I mean, I fall uh, for it every time. <laughs> oh, it's it's bad. That's why I try to avoid going there. I'm like, unless they have something I can only get there. It's the only time I go there. <laughs> so, you know, again, that's kind of, again, the basis. Understanding kind yeah. of what your thoughts are versus what reality is. So once you kind of have, you know, you've gotten in the car, you're taking control of this, you've looked forward, looked back, and now you're driving through the neighborhood. What are some of those next steps? Yeah, so now we're going to want to put some stops along the way. So how far do you want to go in this first trip? Do you want to get out of the neighborhood and go to the gas station? Do you want to drive an hour away? Like you need to have some mile markers along the way. We can't just take a full cross country trip off the bat. So think about where you want to go with it. The very first stop that I always recommend is you need to understand how much money you spend on an actual basis so that you can start to create that emergency fund that is going to be able to save you if the worst happens. Now, the worst can be a variety of things and probably will be a variety of things as life unfolds. But for me, it's things like I get a flat tire and I need new tires on my car immediately and it's $1,200 or my water heater breaks or my kid has to go to the ER and that costs me $1,000. Things like that that are going to be likely to happen at some point in the next five years, but maybe won't happen all the time. It also can be a great opportunity for if you lose your job, um, anything like crazy pandemic happens, those little nest eggs in a savings account are going to be stop number one for most people once you have an idea of how much you actually are spending versus how much you're actually bringing in. So so to kind of just from from the perspective, would you say that this kind of rings true with that of maybe taking an accounting of your life and saying, okay, well, you know, if I have a car, you know, these things break. So, you know, going out and looking up what tires cost, because every time I got to put tires on my truck, even though I'm a big car guy, I'm like, God, it's always more expensive than I thought. I'm like, oh, it's going to be 800 bucks, $1,400 later. I'm like, okay, yes. how'd that happen? So, you know, I would say to actually on that, if you don't deal with the finances, you know, Google it. So like, hey, like, you know, here's my car. You know, you can, even if you're not a car person, you know, you don't know a, a lug nut from a radio dial, just Google it. Like Toyota Camry 2005 tires and it'll bring it up. Um, yeah. So understanding kind of some of those more bigger ticket possibilities, like, you know, if you own your house, you know, granted a roof's going to be a whole other ordeal, but that's much less likely to happen than getting a flat tire, needing a new one you know, refrigerator breaking, things like that. So would you say that's kind of maybe a fair assessment to add on to that of like maybe understanding 
what realistically can happen for a rainy day because you need to understand how much you need to save in that rainy day fund for it to be accurate. Yeah, I do. And a lot of it is dependent upon your other circumstances. So if you have $10,000 in credit card debt and you're paying a 30% interest rate, which is what a lot of credit cards are right now, I don't want you focusing on putting a bunch of money into a savings account that is bringing in less than a percent unless you have it in a high yield savings, which is a whole other story. But, but you need a nest egg for the oh my gosh, I have to do something right now. I have no more money on my credit card. So I like to tell people, start with $1,000, just hit that milestone. You've got to get out of credit card debt if that's where you're living because that 30% interest rate will never, you will never get out of it <laughs> in a 30, it's just designed that way. Um, so having little milestones, having little mile marker that you're gonna go on this trip will really help. I absolutely believe that you should have a larger goal in mind for that savings account. And it may be exactly what does tires do tires cost me or what how much is two times or three times my annual my monthly living expenses for that like safety net. But if depending on how far in debt you are already or maybe how much you do or don't have, some of those circumstances are really variable by the person. So I'd say if you feel like you're in the, oh my gosh, this is way overwhelming stage, shoot for $1,000, right? Mm -hmm. if, you, if you do 100 bucks a month, you're going to have that $1,000 in less than a year and you're going to feel so good about it, then you can move on to the next piece. Yeah, absolutely. I really like what you kind of brought up about, you know, goal setting and, you know, setting the goalpost realistically, um, because mm -hmm. that's a big thing about any type of goal is, you know, setting a realistic and attainable first step. Because if you say, hey, I want to have, you know, I want to have $20,000 in the savings account, I want to pay off all my credit card debt. Well, you might be chasing that for five years and get discouraged, whereas opposed to like, hey, like I finished this race, which one do I want to do next? I'm a big fan of that personally. It works really well for me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, personally, I lost a, a ton of weight a few years ago, and that was kind of one of my things was smaller milestones because I struggle with it a lot in my life. Mm -hmm. And that really helped me. And then, you know, other things in life I've kind of applied that to, and it's helped me, you know, be more productive, keep my house a little bit cleaner because I'm awful about that. Um, and yeah. just in general, um, you know, kind of the goal setting mindset, but being realistic in what you do, I think is is really important, especially if you're starting something as intimidating as personal finance from the get go. Um, yeah. You know, it's always easy to kind of get it, you know, get into that kind of comparing yourself to everyone else and, you know, getting sucked into, you know, terrible things like YouTube or like uh, TikTok or Instagram and be like, oh, this really sucks. These people are doing so much better than me. Um, you know, look at yourself set those small goals. Um, you know, again, that's what I kind of took from that. I really, really do like that. So once you've kind of, you know, gotten to the point, you've looked at what's your, what's going out, what your like initial, like small nest egg should be for that, you know, you know, crap is hitting the fan. I really need that. You got mm -hmm. there. What's kind of the next step from there? The next step from there, after you have the basic, well, after you've hit your thousand dollar, then I want you to come up with what is a, a little bit of a bigger amount that you want for that safety net. And so maybe it's $5,000 for the next goal. Maybe it's 2,500. So like set a couple goals there. Um, before you get into any type of investment strategies, really take a hard look at your debt. Um, if you are, have high credit card debt, you've got to pay that off before you start trying to play with investments. Investments, depending upon where you're putting your money, are going to yield 8 to 10% on average. If you've got a credit card that's running 30%, you're going in the wrong direction. So credit cards are evil. I hate them. I hate everything about them. They're a necessary evil in this world. Um, if you can learn to master them, you, they actually will pay you, right? I just booked five airline tickets to go see my sister next week, completely on the credit card company. I don't pay annual fees. 
I pay off my credit card every single month, zero interest, and then they gave me five credit, five airline tickets. But you have to be using it the right way. Um, and credit card debt is one of those pieces. What Probably one of the only things that I agree with with Dave Ramsey is the snowball effect of paying off debt very quickly. So pay it off, pay off the small one, move to the next one, move to the next one, move to the next one, get it off your plate, close those cards. Um, cards are evil. But let's assume <laughs> that a lot of the credit card debt is taken care of at this juncture. Um, the next thing I would recommend is starting to look at investment accounts. Um, in my book, I, I use analogy of like four different pockets in your pants. Like if you think about your jeans, the front two pockets are going to be savings and spending. So like your front pocket is going to be everything I spend every month. The other pocket's going to be my savings account. They're not going into investments. They're not going into the stock market. There's no risk associated with it. Um, they're just my front two, like easy accessible. The back two is where I like to see people really start to pay attention to investments and think about how can that money grow? How can it earmark it for the future? And again, that depends on your phase of life. If you're 20 something and listening to this, you're not probably not thinking about retirement all the way yet, unless you think 40 is old and you're going to retire at 40, which is possible. But you're probably thinking more about how am I going to buy my first house? I need to have a down payment for a home or I need to buy a new car or I want to go on vacation or I want to have a kid. Some of those types of things. As you get a little older, that starts to shift. My kids right now are of age where I'm starting to think about paying for their college or saving money to buy them a car. Those types of things come up next. Um, I'm also thinking far into the future about retirement, like 25 years for me if I go all the way to 67, which I don't plan to do. I'm going to go way earlier than that. But you have to think about those pieces um, like the GPS stops, right? So you're going to have that road. What's your final destination? I've promised my children I will live to be 100 years old. So that's my final destination. If I get to go a little further than that, great. But that's kind of the the end point for me is 100. And then you back up back up against that. Fantastic. So definitely a couple of things to unpack there. So uh, to kind of jump back to the beginning when you're mentioning uh, credit cards, mm. again, complete agreement, um, you know, learn how to use them, uh, but make sure you're not carrying balances. <laughs> again, I can't get financial advice, but in general, I think most people understand paying 30% interest on anything. Uh, if, it, if it's not paying you 30% interest, that's a bad, bad thing to have. Mm -hmm. um, and then also I would kind of also maybe, um, you know, debt that, and I would say maybe you know, debt that everyone, you know, everyone, a lot of people have would be student loans as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, probably try to maybe, you know, would you say you, would you prioritize the credit cards first just because you're paying so much more and then kind of as an adjunct, like right behind it, put your student loans there as well, because those again can have pretty substantial uh, interest payments as well. Yeah, I'd say it all depends upon the loan agreement that you signed. But yes, if you signed a loan agreement for a student loan that was like your full lifestyle, not just your classes, you're probably paying personal loan interest rates that are really high. Um, and I know that's a big topic in the market right now is now everyone's going to have to start paying student loan debt again and what's going to happen to consumer ability to pay for things. Um, and so it is a hot topic. I, I'd say... The highest interest rate should go first. Um, it's probably your credit cards. I was looking at both of my credit cards that I have. I only have two. One is for Costco because they won't let me use anything else. And one is an airline. Um, and they're both 32, 33% interest rates. And I have perfect credit. Like my credit score is 850. And I still have extraordinarily high credit card interest rates. So 
everybody does. Um, just make sure that you are paying attention to those interest rates. And along yeah, that line, like know what your credit score is. We kind of skipped over that, but it should go early on in the process of your overall financial health. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I would add is that um, for everyone, especially, um, you know, the, the female audience is that there's new legislation that was just passed. Um, it was the beginning end of last year. Uh, it was called the Secure Act 2.0 is kind of an adjunct to uh, some legislation, the, the tax amendments passed in the Trump administration in 2018. But one interesting provision is that for qualifying student loans, um, and we'll get into probably 401ks and retirement as well, is that if you have an employer that offers um, you know, a retirement plan and they match, you know, at least probably you put be putting in money to get that free money back in. But some personal anecdotes from myself and my wife, we both started our careers, we had student loans, and we made the election to pay our student loans instead of participating in retirement plans, which stunk. But you know, I feel it was the best decision for us. Um, and we got them paid off and hooray for us. And then we started saving for retirement. Well, we missed out on that free money for several years. Well, one of the provisions of this new law is that up to instead of being able to to have to put money in to get the free money in a retirement plan for a 401k you can treat up to six hundred dollars of student loan repayment to qualifying student loans as participation in a 401k plan and the employer has to match at that rate so if they match you know four percent ten percent whatever it is if you pay six hundred dollars to your qualifying student loans they have to match as if you put six hundred dollars into that plan so mm -hmm understand that there are, you know, things coming out that are, you know, aimed to help people. And I would say it doesn't matter, again, if you're a, a man or woman, understanding tax law and tax law changes is something that, unless you're me, and you're just a glutton for punishment, really don't have the penchant to read and understand. So, um, you know, having people that can, you know, dilute it for you is important. Mm -hmm. um, and again, that's something that I would like, you know, everyone to understand, but especially women that, you know, again, maybe you're, you know, coming out and you're, you know, recently, um, you know, out of a marriage or something, and you're taking on all of this, there are some nuances out there that can help. Um, and that's one of them that you can, again, get some free money and help save for retirement at a higher rate and still be able to pay off things like credit cards, student loans, um, and things like that. So mm -hmm. just my little two cents, I think that's a really important update for everyone. Um, yeah. it really rang true for me. I'm like, why didn't they have that back in like 2013, 2012, when I was paying student loans at an <laughs> egregious rate, um, and the power of compounding interest and like, um, yep. so anyways, we we move on, you know, kind of, again, understanding, you know, what's your most problematic, um, draws of money are, which are probably going to be credit card debt if you have it, student loans, close second, depending on what you did with them. But then you made the analogy of kind of bucketing up your, you know, pools of money into pockets. So front mm -hmm. left, back right, mm -hmm. right, left and right. I got it. Left and right is troublesome for me. Uh, <laughs> I do tax law, but I can't tell my left hand from my right hand. Um, so let's break that down a little bit. So we have, you know, things like retirement plans, um, you know, personal savings, uh, you know, setting goals for each one of those. And <clears throat> from what I kind of gathered from you is that, you know, at that point, once you've kind of gotten through the basics of saying, hey, okay, we understand, you know, what our total income is, we understand where we need to be allocating money, we understand the rainy day, we're setting some attainable goals and adjusting those as we, you know, get to them. And then from there, let's kind of break down each one of those individual buckets that you mentioned a little bit and how to kind of realistically set goals for each of them, because you, know, you don't have to go full on to the deep end of saying, hey, I need to get involved in all these different kind of investments, um, you know, you know, you don't have to be a, a master of everything, have some core competencies and really run with it is kind of what I, I heard from you. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing I preach most to my small business owners who I work with um, as their CFO is 
you you can't know all of it. Maybe you will eventually, but you can't know all of it right now. Um, I know it feels like you can get a business degree online right now with all the free courses that are available. And you probably could if you had a ton of time, but chances are good you're juggling a lot of things. So one of my favorite pieces of advice, and it's one of the things I talk about in my book and the time chapter is delegate to other people or hire other folks, which is yet another reason to understand how your money works so that you know if you can afford support. Um, but really when it comes to money, I, I do believe that it's important that you have a professional working uh, on your behalf to explain things like new tax legislation or how investment strategies work or just how to start uh, start the ball rolling, right? There's so many different pieces to it. I, I'm a huge believer in any type of online education, podcasts, of course, I'm a podcast host myself. All of those things have tons of information, but sometimes it can be difficult to sit yourself down and force you to apply, right? Like you could read the book or you could buy the book, but you have to read the book and you could read the book, but then you have to go apply it. And, and so it does take those types of action steps and, and having a professional can really be helpful in that spot. Yeah. And I kind of, you know, whenever my friends, um, you know, they don't ask me as much because now I scold them for asking me the same question repeatedly about finance. But, you know, what I kind of tell people is that, uh, you know, look at it kind of like your house. It's like, you know, I can fix small plumbing, I can do small electrical. Uh, but when it comes to like anything past that, like I hire people, like, mm -hmm. again, I understand it enough to like, not have to need to be coddled constantly. But, you know, understanding where professionals can come in. And, you know, again, right off the bat, because, you know, financial advice, you know, it's again, understanding where that comes in, I think is important because, mm -hmm. you know, if you're just starting out and you're making that first thousand dollar, you know, goal, you're understanding the credit card debt, I uh, really just kind of getting your you know feet firmly planted beneath you, you know, hiring a financial advisor is probably not the best use of your money at that point. But if mm -hmm. you've gotten there, you've set a few of those rule goals, let's say you've gotten, you've set a few of those personal finance, you have $10,000 in emergency savings, you've paid off your student debt, you have your 401k set up. Well, now at that point, okay, you've got the basics down, you know, let's start moving forward. And then at that point, you know, bring in the outside help, um, you know, make friends with someone in the finance industry. We love mm -hmm. to eat, buy me dinner. I'll tell you anything you want, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you know, professional help, you know, I, am always a big fan of, you know, even if you have friends in the industry or something like that, um, I'm a big fan of having that professional barrier. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's very important because, you know, you don't want to get into a situation where you have to make the decision between, you know, friendship and professionalism um, in any scenario. It's always nice to have, you know, hired help that is, you know, professional. You can be friendly with these people, but, you know, make sure that there's a clear delineation of, you know, these people work for you and have your best interest at heart. Um, mm -hmm. So that way, if you need to need to fire someone, it's, you know, much easier than that, um, which, again, I think to that point, um, you know, when it comes to finance, again, it's such a daunting task for so many people making sure that it is, you know, not your friend or your buddy or, oh, you know, this person that I worked with, you know, making sure you kind of set those boundaries is another good um, tidbit, at least from a finance professional that I would recommend people to uh, to do. Yeah. And you, you kind of get what you pay for a lot of times too, in this space. Um, if you find people who are really experienced and, or work for a firm that has a lot of experience, the price may be higher than somebody who's just starting out or, you know, just trying to find clients to start. And I'm not saying don't 
go with the people who are inexperienced. We all learn somewhere and maybe that's the right price point for you, but also don't be afraid to shop as your needs change. Um, you know, when you're young and you don't have a lot of money or you don't have a lot of assets or liabilities, maybe it makes sense to have, to use TurboTax to file your taxes. And then you get a little bit older and you have a little bit, you have more assets or more dependents, and then you need somebody one-on-one. -on -one. And then as your wealth continues and your tax strategies get a little bit more complicated or your investment strategies get more complicated, you need a more experienced and more tenured professional as well. So don't be afraid to change. I think a lot of people are really afraid um, to change accountants in, in all kinds of areas. And it is a pretty sticky profession. I do find people will hire you and then stick with you for a while. But if it's not serving you anymore, it's really okay to change your mind. Yeah. And specifically, you know, speaking to the female audience, at what point in this whole um, progression would you say is kind of a, again, everyone's different, you know, your, mm -hmm. your needs are going to be different. Um, again, it's so nuanced, but in general, wouldn't you say is kind of a good point uh, for someone in this, in this arena to say, Hey, you know, now's a good time for me to hire a CPA. Now's a good time mm -hmm. for me to actually get a real financial advisor. Um, again, painting with a very broad brush, but in your summation of, of dealing with women in this, in this area, when would you say is a good kind of benchmark to kind of uh, start bringing those professionals in? I, I like to tell people as soon as it makes them uncomfortable, they should ask some type of a professional for some type of guidance. So if you feel just like this is really overwhelming, I have no idea what to do. I don't even know what type of accountant I need because people will come to me often in my bookkeeping CFO company and say, I need an accountant. And I'll say, what kind? And they'll not know that there's many different types of us. Um, and there are, there's a lot of people who have a lot of different expertise. I am not super deep in tax legislation, it's just not part of what I do, but I can read a PL and a balance sheet. Like most CPAs don't spend time doing that. And so we all have different um, expertise and things that we need to focus on. And I'd say if you're feeling uncomfortable with where to start, the first thing to do is start with somebody and just say, are you the right person? Most of the time they're going to tell you that they are or they are not, or they'll refer you. Um, I have a huge list of, of really talented tax preparers that I work with that I refer to people all the time. And those types of things are what you want. Somebody with a network, somebody who can help you move through it. If you don't know where to start, call me and I'll tell you who I know that might be able to support you in that space. Um, there's usually somebody, I don't want to take on the wrong client for me. So if you're not the right fit, I don't want to take you on. And then it's not a good fit for my business. Most most business owners I know, particularly in the finance space, feel the same way and they'll help you find the right fit. Yeah. And I would say to kind of add on to that, what I recommend to people when, you know, I get asked, you know, I don't do, you know, for my role, I definitely don't get into accounting or tax returns or anything like that. But I tell people, you know, if, if you want to do this, you know, sit down and tell the people what your goals are. You know, mm -hmm. if you just want this um, and ask them, you know, some tougher questions and if they're friendly and cordial and I answer everything, you know, again, double check everything, make sure you're very comfortable. But you know, if you get brushed off, or they make you feel unimportant about the questions that you're asking, um, you know, it's, if you run afoul of the taxes, the IRS is many things, but a sense of humor about getting your taxes wrong, they are not. Um, yep. So it's important to have that or, you know, your retirement nest egg, you know, go in, ask them, be frank. And if you don't feel comfortable, there's a million other people out there that can do a good job. Don't just think, you know, you walked in to the car dealership, you know, I got in this one, okay, I'm here, might as well buy it you know, take, take back some of that control because you're in the driver's seat of this car that you're driving to use mm -hmm. your analogy. Um, and you can stop at a different gas station if you want to, um, you can go a little bit farther down the road. Yes, you absolutely can. And I think accountants in general get a, um, 
a, a reputation for being introverts. They get a reputation for not being approachable. They get a reputation for like kind of feeling like the principal's off. It's like everything that I'm not. Um, and I know I there's a, a bunch of us out there who are very extroverted, who like to talk, who host podcasts, right? Like there's a whole bunch of people in the finance world who like to help other people and won't treat you like an email that is ignored. So definitely yeah. if you're not finding the right person, Keep yeah, and, and also to my point, um, you know, making sure that you keep, you know, you, you get outside help because, you know, you might be with someone, they're truly cordial, but come time to file your taxes and they brush you off and everything like else like that. Okay. You don't have to use them again. Um, mm -hmm. But if they're your, your friend or your neighbor, okay, that's a little bit of a stickier situation. So um, again, be comfortable with the people that you're dealing with. If you're not, yeah. this is not the kind of area to, you know, run afoul of that. And the other point that I would make, um, and this might seem simple, and, and you know, I've had people that look at me like I have two heads, especially when it comes to filing taxes. Um, you know, people are think people a lot of time think, oh, I'll get my tax return back. Um, you know, talking to a CPA that can also help you strategize is a good yeah. idea um, because getting a tax return, um, in my my summation, is not a good thing. You just gave the government a an interest free loan for twelve months. Yep. Um, you know, it's nice to get that check back, and woohoo, I get to throw that in my savings. Well, what's the power of having that directly? You know, if you have to pay a CPA $600 um, and you had no other tax liability basically other than paying their service to make sure you get that that ratio right, um, that's a really powerful tool because mm -hmm. then you have that money to invest. You have that money to save um, instead of, you know, letting the government, you know, chew on it for, for 12 months. So I agree completely. And I, I do think this is kind of like a... A, a second or third stop in financial management and, and really understanding where you're going. But the tax stuff is complicated. And mm -hmm. the more money you make, the more money you pay in taxes, oh, yeah. the more things that there may be available for you to take tax deferred investments and those types of things. I work with small business owners who are, I'm trying to educate in, you have to forecast your profit and loss so that your tax preparer can help you forecast the taxes you owe. There is nothing more painful than finding out you owe a hundred thousand in taxes that you didn't prepay last year because you didn't forecast your profit properly. And guess who's on the hook for that? And the IRS wants it now because you're already late because you didn't prepay it. So there is oh, yeah. a lot that goes into that. Um, and it's really important to have those pieces lined up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and that's, again, where I tell anyone is that, you know, once you get to a certain level, or I should say, again, you know, I, I love the kind of little tangent we went on, but specifically, um, you know, from the perspective of, of that, um, you know, understanding that, you know, it's not just making more money. It's also, um, you know, let's say, uh, you know, you started a small business or you had children, uh, or you went back to school or, you know, you started, a, again, started a small business. Um, you know, I think that those would probably be some good benchmarks as well to look at to hire help, maybe a little bit earlier. Yeah. Um, or especially maybe again, even earlier in that process, if let's say um, you're newly, you know, the head of your household and you have three children and it's all on your own. Yeah. That might be a good time to get a CPA because the last time you, the last thing you want is also to have tax issues on top of this additional burden that you're taking on now of being mm -hmm. the person that controls finance. So um, yeah. yeah, understanding personal situation, I think is probably pretty key in that scenario. Um, again, so we have the the four pockets now we've kind of covered you know getting hiring professionals understanding you know tax at a basic level when to bring in those people um now what are some specific roadmap ideas that you can give women to say hey okay now that we've gotten the good basis um you know what kind of investing like high level things do you think is good for them to understand at a at again a base level yeah i think there's a couple um really simple 
investment opportunities that a lot of people don't even know exist, um, especially if you're a mother or, I mean, a father too, I suppose, but I'm talking to women. So there you go. <laughs> um, if, if you have children, there is something called a 529 account, which is mm -hmm. available to help with some, um, you pay tax on it up front, but you end up earning tax-free and it's a really great opportunity to save for a kid's future. Um, it can be used K through 12 as of t today. I don't, you know, things change all the time. It can be used K through 12. They can be used for higher education, for, for trade schools. Um, always check, right, whenever you go, if you're listening to this in 2027, the, the laws may be different, but, um, but those types of accounts are, are kind of unknown and really important. I'm also a big fan of health savings accounts. Uh, a lot of times there are, <laughs> you, you like them too. <laughs> um, those are really helpful. I am not a huge fan of flexible spending accounts that come um, through employers unless you do have an ongoing like need for um, medical issues. Like if you have diabetes and you know you're going to have medical stuff every month, great, use that. But the savings account is cool because it's pre-tax and then it also earns tax-free and then you can have this beautiful nest egg for when, if the worst happens, or if you don't have the ability to pay premiums for a while, you could pay out of pocket. So those savings accounts I think are really cool. If you are um, employed, meaning you have a W-2, a paycheck where taxes are taken out of your paycheck every month, and your employer offers a 401k match, do whatever you have to do to match. It is 100% free money. It is the best investment you can make. Um, and I always tell people, so for example, if your employer says, you put in 5%, we'll put in 5%, do the 5%. It's important that you'd start there. If they say we'll match you at 3%, do the 3%, like just get the free money. Um, and then my recommendation is always to increase it one, one to 2% every year. You won't feel the difference. It'll probably be between 30 and a hundred dollars, depending upon your salary a month. I mean, that's going out to eat one time. And then very soon you'll turn around and you'll be saving 10% in your 401k up to the maximum contribution, which changes every year, of course, as well. Um, and then you'll have a nest egg that you can't touch until you're old and your future self will be so pleased. Yeah, absolutely. And especially if you have children to kind of go for some tax law updates, the 529 plan got a fun update as well, where if you save for your children's um, education through a state-sponsored 529 plan, and let's say your child, you know, goes a different direction, they go to trade school or they start their own business, they don't need those funds. Well, previously, it was kind of a dodgy area of, okay, well, now I have to maybe distribute this or I have to pay, you know, retroactively refile some tax returns. Um, now, if they're unused for 15 years, you can roll that directly into a Roth IRA, um, which is awesome because now you're also being able to hedge saying, hey, I'm saving for my children's potential. Again, there's so many more options out there nowadays for kids not to have to go the four-year college route, uh, which mm -hmm. is awesome. Um, but you always want to save for that. You can also then hedge a little bit more by saying, okay, great. Now, if they don't go that route, that's part of my retirement plan as well. So um, again, the the the, gov the the governance of the United States for all their faults, I think got some pretty good things right in this last round of uh, tax law updates, which um, can certainly help some people and women specifically, um, mm -hmm. I feel, um, as the you know broader context allows. So um, you know, again, free money from 401ks, and that might be something that people just don't even realize is a thing. I mean, that's you know something like you and I, obviously, it's common. I was like, oh, yeah, the 401k match. Mm -hmm. But if you've never had experience with this, um, you know, all of your finances have been taken care of by someone else or you've never taken control of that, understanding what a match is is important. Um, yeah. Because, again, that's just – it's literally free. For you put in 10 bucks, the 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 employer puts in three. You know, it's, yeah. it's 
or maybe 30 percent um there's a lot of things like that when you are applying for a job for the very first time whether you're 16 years old or 36 years old um, I mean, I know plenty of women who never worked and then they ended up divorced at 36 and are applying for their first W-2 job. They don't know how to fill out tax forms. They don't know what a 401k matches. It's all okay. We all started somewhere. Like you're just learning to drive a little bit later than maybe a 16-year-old learned. Not a problem. Those types of things I think are a really good example of getting some support early on to help you because that taxing, we talked about that quickly earlier if you're having too much taken out of your paycheck, you're going to get a huge refund at the end of the year, but you just gave the government a free loan or the opposite can happen, which really is painful. You don't have enough taken out and then you get this huge tax bill at the end of the year, plus maybe penalties and fines because they're mad at you for paying late. So pay really close attention to understanding your tax um, out that comes out of your paycheck, just like a 401k would. Then there's other containers that you can put investment money in as well. Roth IRA is a great one. Uh, Just an individual retirement account, a traditional IRA is also a great one. And I mean, man, the list goes on and on. You can get as complicated with these pieces as you want. Um, I find those, those particular containers for your investment monies are usually sufficient. But then once they're in the container, you have to pay attention to what you do with them. So then they have to go be actually invested and you have to start picking uh, what types of index funds you want or what type of, you know, just it, there's a lot that goes into it. So finding support along the way is a is a good one. Yeah, absolutely. And to that point, um, you know, you, if, if you're someone that really enjoys that, um, then certainly make that kind of your realm of, of expertise and let someone else do the taxes or let you know someone else handle some of either of those. But again, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the... Um, <clears throat> Uh, you know, the, the analogy of more money and more problems does ring true. You know, your life is a lot, you know, you might have more, you know, kind of immediate problems in your eyes. You know, if you have, you know, let's say a thousand dollars in a checking account and two kids, um, you know, they may be more pressing problems, but you have fewer of them. Um, it's like, okay, I need to understand how to pay my rent. I need to understand how to make sure my kids are taken care of. Um, and I got to make sure my car has gas in it. You know, you have three big problems in your life. Um, now those problems don't go away. Um, they get maybe shuffled to the back, but then you have to start thinking about things like taxes and investment strategies. Um, you know, long term, you know, think about how to invest health savings account. You know, the more money you have, the more problems grow. Um, and again, some things become less at the forefront, but you just do have more problems. And yeah. you know, bringing that into context for people, I think, is also important because again, money's not going to solve everything. It will bring other things that need to be addressed. But again, getting those, you know, keep my kids fed, roof over my head gas in my car and understanding how to get that car out of the driveway to bring it full circle on your analogy, mm-hmm. I think is, is really important. Um, now we're coming up on the 45 minute mark and uh, my producer likes to keep these nice and, and packaged. But what I would like to take a few more minutes um, is for you to speak to the audience and, and women directly on saying, Hey, you know, this is great in the roadmap, but what are some of the things that you think really kind of, you know, keep women from making that initial, you know, pulling out of the driveway? Is it, Mm -hmm. uh, is it fear? Is it shame? Like what are some of the, like the initial things and what are some of the easy ways to kind of overcome that, um, for them? Because again, you know, it's, you know, a marathon is, is started with one step. Um, Mm -hmm. don't take that first step, you know, you're never going to get to the finish line. So what are some things that kind of, you would say, uh, to women in this situation that would help them again, kind of be able to look forward and back out of that driveway? Yeah. You know, I think historically speaking, um, News didn't travel very fast, right? If you were living in the 1920s, your 
village was literally made up of the people who you could see by riding a bicycle or walking. Um, and it can still feel like that for a lot of people where if their mother or their sister or their aunt or their best friend doesn't know how to talk about money, you feel very stuck and really don't know where to go for support. And I'd say today you can find an extraordinary amount of resources on podcasts. Um, you can find all free, right? I mean, you and I are both hosting podcasts and it is a free commodity to the world. No one pays us to listen. Um, they, there's a ton out there, like looked on LinkedIn, you know, be careful on social media in general, because you never know what you're going to get. So if like you're getting it for your finance advice from TikTok video, maybe vet that a little bit, but you will find resources. Um, you just have to be careful about the type of resources, but LinkedIn is a really great place to look, um, books of all types, like audible and paper books actually are really, really helpful for finding some, some quality information, but most of all, just find someone to talk to, even if that is a community online where you can ask questions and learn new things. Um, taking that first step just to start that conversation is going to be helpful. I'd also really like to encourage you to talk to your children. Um, even if you're uncomfortable and you don't feel confident in your money management skills today, say that to them. It's important for your children to start to feel comfortable talking about money because money is not a shameful topic. My kids know a lot about money. In fact, I just took my eight-year-old last night to dump his entire bin of um, coins into a Coinstar machine. And we had a whole conversation about he had to give 50 cents plus 11% to the machine. And so he didn't understand that. So we started to talk about tax a little bit because the machine is providing you a service, just like the U.S. government is providing you roads and stoplights and fire departments. And so that's the tax that the the coin star is taking from you is the, and so you can use these analogies to start to teach children and, and make it normal, make it comfortable. And I promise you, they will have questions that then you can go find the answers to and teach yourself too. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the only other one thing I would add on to that is that um, I found good communities on Reddit, but I would put that with a big asterisk of Reddit can turn into just a a troll dungeon of people. <laughs> um, but you can kind of get some high level stuff from there. So yeah. um, just be very leery of the message board space. Um, but you can find some good groups um, on there that can certainly help. And again, I would also definitely echo, um, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, you know, there's plenty of people out there that would like you and I that would love to help people um, understand yeah. this and, you know, be able to get out there and make their own financial decisions because it's important for everyone to do that. So mm -hmm. um, with that said, uh, Melissa, how can people get in touch with you if they want to um, engage with you for some of your professional services, um, website, LinkedIn, email, whatever you want to share. This is uh, time to do yeah. it. Yeah. My Two Cents Consulting, uh, T-W-O-S-E-N-S-E, -S -E, is our website for fractional CFO and bookkeeping. You can absolutely find me there. Um, you can also find me at efficiencybitch.com, which sometimes is easier to remember, but put in a note in either of those websites, it will come directly to me. Um, I'm happy to answer questions, talk in any capacity that may be helpful. All right. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for being on with us today. I think this is a very mm -hmm. important topic to uh, bring up and I hope that uh, everyone got some good content of it, especially the women listening. Um, you know, don't be afraid to make that first step and uh, reach out and, you know, get, get on the path to financial um, literacy and freedom. So with that said, my name is Alex Perny. As always, this is the Alternative Investing Advantage podcast. Thank you for being with us and have a great day. Want to hear more episodes of the Alternative Investing Advantage? Search podcast at advantaira.com and subscribe.